Good to see you. If we've not met before, I'm Phil. And what we're going to do now is spend some time in the Bible. We believe that God speaks to us through the Bible. Um, and so we want to work hard at understanding what it says, but not just comprehending it, but what does it mean and what does it mean for us in our lives? Like Anais was saying, this matters for 21st century London life. This is us. So um, please open up in Genesis chapter 6 on page 8. Now, we are going to do a big chunk of Genesis, all right? We're doing the story of Noah today, and it's, it's sometimes helpful to do a big chunk because you get the sense of the whole story. Uh, let me catch you up with the story so far, and then we'll, we'll read it. I'm going to give us some headlines so we know where we're going in it. The story so far in Genesis um, it starts with God making the world, and he makes it good, and he makes human beings to, to love him and to serve him. But Adam and Eve, representing all of humanity, turn away from God. And what happens is that life of living against God, of hearts that say we don't want anything to do with God, that life continues. And we've been reading how the generations of humanity continue. They keep having children. God's really kind. They, they, they keep living and going on generation after generation. But as the generations go on, these hearts that are set against God continue as well. And it gets worse, and it gets worse and worse. And what we saw um, last week in chapter 6, verse 7, was God in judgment saying, The Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created. And with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, now I regret that I've made them. That's what God's going to do in the flood. But there's this guy in Noah who found favor in the eyes of the Lord, and we're going to be learning more about him. So this, uh, this reading, the section splits into three parts, okay? It's quite easy. Before the flood, the flood, and after the flood, all right? Okay, I had fancier titles. I thought, that's ridiculous. It's before the flood, it's flood, and after the flood. Okay, so um, let's go from um, 6 verse 9, and this is all that happens before the flood. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And we get a repetition of what happened before. The earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So, Make yourself an ark. An ark is a big kind of boat. An ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it. Leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around, put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring flood waters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. 
Noah did everything just as God commanded him. It's part one, before the flood. The, the warning and the plan. Here it comes, part two, the actual flood. The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I found you righteous in this generation. Take with you, and he repeats a lot of the same stuff, seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their, their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I've made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood floodwaters came on the earth, and Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals and birds and all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark as God had commanded Noah. And after the seven days, the flood waters came on the earth. There they are. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of the heavens were opened and the rain fell on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. On that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. They had with them... Every, every wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to all their kinds, every creature that moved along the ground according to its kinds, and every bird according to its kind, everything with wings, pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female, every living thing as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. For 40 days the flood kept coming on the earth and as the waters increased they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The water rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 15 cubits. Every living thing that moved on land perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing in the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals, the creatures that were along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. It's part two, it's the flood. Part three, after the flood. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark and he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. The water receded steadily from the earth and at the end of 150 days the water had gone down and on the 17th day of the seventh month the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to recede until the 10th month, and on the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains became visible. After 40 days, Noah opened a window he'd made in the ark and sent out a raven, and it kept flying back and forth until the water dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find nowhere to perch because there was water all over the surface of the earth, so it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back um, to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out a dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in the beak was freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again, but this time it did not return to him. 
By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that's with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number of it. So Noah came out together with his sons and wife and his sons' wives and all the animals and the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds and everything that moves on land came out of the ark, one kind after another. All right. Should we pray and ask for God's help to understand that? Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we ask now that you would help us to understand this story, this real story that you have saved over thousands of years for us today. We believe it is relevant that you want to help us learn more about you, about ourselves, about our world and about what you are doing. So please teach us by your spirit, help us to understand and to be changed by it. Amen. I want to ask how you react um, to warning signs. There are two kinds of people when it comes to warning signs. There's one group of people who assume that a warning sign doesn't apply to them. It might be you. Uh, they kind of, yeah, probably doesn't apply, I'm going to go anyway. The other kind of people are those with the more tender conscience who go, we can't do that, we can't do that, we can't do that, there's a warning sign, there's a warning sign, we can't do that. Now, there's a famous occasion in, in my family life where I went to Australia with my mum and dad. Australia, being a pristine island, um, is known for having very strict rules about what you can and can't bring into the island. So I arrived with my parents, and there are repeated warning signs in the airport saying, don't bring any fruit, vegetables, plants, anything in, put it in the bin, or heavy fines will be demanded. Now, my mum is of the, it probably doesn't apply to me, school. Please open the case, madam. What's this? It was Rolf Harris. What's this? An apple? That'll be $200. What's this, madam? Chocolate? That'll be another $200. I'm exaggerating. It's something like that. He went on and on and on. What do you call this? What is this? You have fruit. You brought it into our beautiful island. And we were like, Mum, what are you thinking? What? There were signs were there. What did you bring the fruit in? It was one apple. You can appeal and go to court, but it might cost you like several thousand dollars. We're like, no, we'll pay the $200 for the stupid apple. She didn't believe the warning signs. They were there, but she didn't listen. Now, this afternoon, I want us to think about faith, believing, and warnings. Believing warnings. If God makes warnings, then we should probably think very hard about how we're supposed to respond to them. As my mum discovered, if you don't read warnings or if you don't take them seriously, things don't go well. So if God makes warnings and we don't read them or believe them, things are going to get serious, aren't they? Now remember, though, as we go through um, this passage in Noah, that warnings are kind. A um, don't jump into this pool, it's only three feet deep warning is, is a kind warning. It's going to hurt. Okay, So warnings are there for your benefit. And the story of Noah teaches us how faith connects to God's warnings and his rescue. We've called this series in Genesis Footsteps of Faith. 
There's a part of the Bible in the New Testament called Hebrews, and it tells us that people like Noah are there to teach us what it means for us today to have faith. So we're going to use this verse from Hebrews 11 to help us understand the story of Noah. Let's just read that now. Think about Noah, faith, warnings, and rescue. We're going to piece it all together. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. It's a much shorter uh, summary of the story. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. So the important thing to see is that Noah responded First two words, by faith to the warning about the flood. So we're going to explore what that means. We're going to get into the story of Noah in Genesis, along with Hebrews 11, say, teach us, what is faith? Noah, what is the right way to respond to God's warnings? Here's what we're going to see. Oh, there it is already. There's the second one. Go back, go back. Oh, it's all going. There we go. Faith hears. This is the first thing we see about faith. Faith hears. So, God's going to put an end to all of life because all people have turned their hearts against him. That's where we're up to in the story. But then, did you see how Noah comes up with this brilliant plan to build an ark? Do you see the verse where Noah says to God, No, no. Noah doesn't say anything in the entire story. Noah doesn't say anything. He doesn't say, God saw how terrible it was, so verse 13, well, Noah, a hero of the faith, said to God, no, verse 13 starts with, God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people for the earth and was filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both of them and the earth. So make for yourself an ark. So the first step to understanding Noah's faith is realizing just how much it all starts with God. Faith is responding to what God says and does. Faith hears God first. Let's just scan the rest of the story and see what God does. So verse 13, we get God giving the warning about the flood. Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people. Then verse 6, verse 14 God gives Noah the plan to rescue him and his whole family and all the animals by building this humongous boat. It's God's idea. So, Noah, make yourself an ark of Cyprus. This is how you're going to build it, verse 15. He gives him the blueprints. It's going to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof, all that jazz. Noah doesn't even get in on the planning stages. It's all been given. No one's ever seen a boat like this before. It's beyond understanding and expectation. And God says, here it is. Verse 18, God does something else, something very special. God says, but I, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You're to bring to the ark all the animals and go to the end of verse 20, you'll be kept alive. You'll be kept alive. Now, this is the first time that covenant word is used in the Bible. It's a very important word in the Bible. A covenant is a commitment, a promise. Who makes the covenant? Noah? Does Noah say, you're going to judge the world? Uh, What about me? I'm, I'm pretty good. 
Let's make a deal. Let's have a peace negotiation. That kind of commitment. No, this covenant commitment comes from God to Noah. But God said, I will establish my covenant with you. My promise, my commitment to rescue you and keep all of you alive. That's called grace. Where God does something that's not deserved. It's not a peace negotiation where Noah persuades God he's a good guy. It's actually a commitment that God made, has already made. You know, when God made the world, that was a commitment from God. When he promised um, Eve that after they'd rebelled against him, this rescuer would come from his family, that was a covenant commitment. This rescuer is going to come. And here God kind of makes it explicitly clear. My covenant commitment to you as Eve's line with this rescue is going to come from this family. My commitment to the whole world, hence saving all the animals, is though I'm going to wipe everything out in the middle of it, I'm going to save everything. It's all going to be encapsulated in this boat. That's my commitment. No one made God do that. That's God's gracious covenant commitments and in all this Noah simply hears God's warning and plan and promise what about chapter 7 maybe uh, chapter 7 we get Noah talking well God's still at it verse 1 of chapter 7 the Lord said to Noah go into the ark you and your whole family because I have found you righteous in this generation God says get in the boat (laughs) And then he repeats his instructions, keep the animals alive, alive, in they get. And then we get this amazing little sentence in 7 verse 16, another thing God does. End of verse 16, then the Lord shut them in. Now that could have been written differently. It could have said, and Noah shut the door. That's what I'm expecting. But here's the image. The Lord shut them in. Safe. Again, God's the main character here. How does the story end? Does Noah, hero of the faith, do something to get God to say, okay, time for the waters to go. Noah, you're a pretty good fella. Out you come. 8 verse 1, the beginning of our third section. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock and all that with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. So just like we had before, but I will establish my covenant, here we get, but God remembers his covenant commitments. Which is a bit odd. Did he forget his, is he kind of like Dory with his short-term memory loss? And he kind of, oh yeah, I made a covenant with you. That's not the idea. It's that he he called it to mind. I've made this commitment. I am bringing it to mind. I'm going to rescue you. I've said I'll do it. I'm going to do it. Waters recede. Do you see? The warning ark-making, covenant-committing, door-closing, water-subsiding, words and actions are God's. God's the hero, the initiator and the rescuer. And whatever Noah does, and he does stuff, it is in response to what God says and does first. Because we get this little repetition about what Noah does. You see it in 6.22. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Again, 7 verse 5. Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. So Noah's faith, his actions in building the ark, are, get, are, are in a response to what God commands first. He doesn't come up with the ideas. 
What do we do with 7 verse 1? Is this a spanner in the works? The Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. It sounds like God's impressed with Noah, and that's why he rescues him. So maybe it does start with Noah. What do we do with that? Let's try and understand it. Well, this verse does mean that God found Noah to be living a righteous life, different to the generation around him. But what's the root of his righteous life? What's the root of all that? Well, the root is hearing God and having faith in him. Hebrews is helpful for us again. The the verse is still on the screen. It says that by faith, he condemned the world. That means uh, his his life showed the world um, how wrong they were. And by faith, he became an heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Now, this is actually being really clear with us. It's faith that, it's by faith that Noah gets given righteousness. By faith, he becomes an heir of righteousness. An heir gets given something. What does this mean, this righteousness stuff? Well, righteousness, being given righteousness is when God says, I give you a right standing before me. God says, despite your failure, I forgive you, I accept you, you're favoured, you are righteous. So Noah didn't earn God's favour with his righteous living. His righteous living that we read about flowed from the roots of God's relationship with him that he gets by faith, simply by trusting. And so in 7 verse 1, when God says, I've seen your righteous life, God's seeing the fruit of this root of faith that is now coming out in a different life and so he rescues him. So let me sum up what we've said so far. What is Noah teaching us about faith? Faith is a response to what God says. Faith hears. God's the initiator. God's the hero. God's the one who sounds the warning that judgment is coming. God is the one who provides the way out and closes the door and causes the flood to go down. Faith hears. Which flips on its head what we often think faith is like. We think God is out there right? And there's this magical spiritual substance called faith. And you haven't got it or you haven't got it. And your faith reaches out to this angry God up in the clouds who's playing a bit hard to get and is only accessible to those who have faith, who can climb up to the clouds to get him. Now if faith, if that's how faith works, and I think we often think it does, who needs to do the talking? If that's how faith works, who needs to take the initiative? We do. Yeah? We need to muster up this impressive spiritual faith that reaches out to a God and kind of persuades him to rescue us because he doesn't really want to. But Noah says, no, that's not how faith works. God's not set a challenge to see if you can reach up into the clouds with your faith and talk God down from his judgment You don't have to come up with some elaborate plan. I know, God, why don't we build a big boat? He is reaching out to you. He sounds the alarm to us. He tells us about the boat. Fast forward about Jesus, his rescuer. He tells you, get in. So faith hears that. But next... Faith 
fears. Hearing a warning isn't enough. Alas, my mum, Sydney International Airport, saw the big whopping great do not bring fruit into this country sign otherwise we will find you because we're really mean. Science. Australians are nice. They're not mean. She saw the sign. The problem was she didn't take it seriously. Faith hears, but you've got to take the warning seriously. And we're told that Noah did take the warning very seriously. Hebrews says, read it on the screen, in holy fear he built an ark to save his family. Holy fear, what's that? It's not just that he was kind of terrified about the coming flood. Holy fear is about fear of God. A kind of reverent awe that takes God Almighty very, very seriously. And it takes him at his word. That's what holy fear is. See, you can't say you take someone seriously if you don't believe a word they say. You know when someone's not really taking what you're saying seriously. We have a brilliant British way of doing this, right? So maybe you're in a, you're in a meeting at work and um, you're discussing something and you, you give your point of view and you say your plan. And the response you get is, hmm, yes, yes, good point. Very, very valuable, very valuable, absolutely. We'll take that on board, they say to you. And you know they don't, they don't agree with you at all. But in this British way, we make it sound like we're taking you very, very seriously, but not. So God says to Noah, I'm going to destroy all life, and here's my plan to preserve human life and the animal life so creation can continue. You're going to build a massive wooden box, about one and a half football pitches long, and I'm going to bring two of every animal on board, and you're all going to survive. British Noah I don't believe you for a moment, but I'm going to make it sound like I'm taking you seriously, Noah, would say, hmm, very interesting. That's got real potential, bit left field. Uh, I'll I'll definitely give that some thought, God, absolutely. But that would not be faith. Because faith takes God seriously. When he says, I'm going to wipe out everything, but this is how you get saved, holy fear says, okay, I'm going to build the ark. But that kind of faith feels bonkers. Look how Hebrews puts it. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. So back in Genesis in 6.14, when God says, make for yourself an ark, God doesn't say, look, the rain's coming, look at the storm clouds, Noah. Noah couldn't see the flood coming. It was unseen. He's like, what rain? (laughs) That's going to take a lot of rain. You want me to build a what? An ark? A box? We think that everyone had arks in those days. They didn't. (laughs) This is unheard of. God, there's no plan here for a sail or a rudder. We're just going to float around until you decide that the waters are going to come down. What if we land somewhere precarious? Sorry, animals? <laughs> All of them? Make no mistake, this is not easy to believe. Noah couldn't see any of this with his eyes. All Noah had to go on was 
was God's word. And despite not being able to see anything, and despite being asked to do something that sounded crazy, by faith in holy fear, he took God so seriously that he built the ark. And it paid off because he was saved. But that kind of faith isn't easy. There's a guy who some of you will have seen in London who represents the problem we have with this kind of faith that takes God's warnings about judgment seriously. Um, outside the House of Parliament, amidst the Brexit carnival that's there at the moment, there's a guy often there with a sandwich board, you know, the, the two kind of boards, and a megaphone. And he's preaching a message about the judgment of God, about hell, and he's warning people about the destruction to come uh, because we turned our backs on God. Some of you, especially if you're in civil service, you hang around there. You'll have seen this, this guy. He's often there. And we look at him, and people like him and think, you're pretty weird, Okay. People with sandwich boards and megaphones going around telling people about the judgment of hell look pretty weird. The thing is, he's right about the coming judgment of God. Now Jesus tells us that he's coming back with a judgment on the whole world like in Noah's day. Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. He's referring to his return to judge the world. So Jesus sounds to us like the guy with the sandwich board and the megaphone. <laughs> We're like, Jesus, you sound a bit crazy. Where's the judgment? We think that about Jesus, especially when he warns us about hell, the punishment, the punishment I deserve for living as if God doesn't exist. By faith, but faith takes Jesus seriously when he says he's coming back in judgment. But many of us have the attitude which says, hmm, yes, Jesus, right, hell, uh, doesn't, it's not particularly flattering. Uh, we'll put that on the back burner and look at some other bits of the Bible, which we prefer, thanks. Do you see how dangerous that is? That's like my mum ignoring the signs, but this is Jesus, and he's talking about life and death. You see, who sounds a warning makes a big difference, difference to how seriously you take them. And this isn't some random person outside of Parliament shouting with a megaphone and a sandwich board who you might dismiss as a little bit strange and be forgiven for not taking particularly seriously. This is Jesus telling us about his coming judgment. This is God himself. And to Noah, that makes all the difference. If God says judgment is coming, we'd be fools not to listen. Faith says, okay, Jesus, I believe you. Thank you for warning me and not just telling me what I want to hear. And if God says, this is the way out, the ark, put all your trust for us in Jesus who died and rose for you, we'd be fools not to listen. Faith says, okay, Jesus, I take you so seriously. If your death in my place is the only way for me to be saved, I'm in. Do you take God seriously? What might our Christian life look like if we don't have this kind of take God seriously, fear, faith? It's one of the reasons why we play around with sin as Christians. It's one of the reasons why we play around with living our own way still as Christians. We don't take seriously the judgment that we can't see with our own eyes. And so we mess around with living, which we know God doesn't want. We keep 
doing things because we're not taking God seriously. When he says, if you consistently live that way, it's going to lead you away from me. We need to learn from Noah's faith. He couldn't see the flood and you can't see Jesus' future judgment, but you better believe it's coming. And some of us, some of you need to take him more seriously and stop messing around. Take Jesus' warning seriously and in faith, keep following him. Which leads to third and final dimension of Noah's faith. Faith gets on board. Noah, it's time to get on the ark. Get on the boat. 7 verse 1. The Lord said to Noah, go into the ark. The story of Noah teaches us that faith is active. We have that repeated phrase we saw. Noah did everything just as God commanded. Noah did everything just as God commanded. In Hebrews, by faith, Noah built an ark to save his family. See, we have another misunderstanding about faith. We think that faith is entirely passive. Now, on the one hand, it is, like I said before, about receiving. We hear God's promise. We let God initiate and do something to save us. But in response to God's grace and promises, faith steps out in trusting God. Noah built the ark. Noah got on the ark. His faith expressed itself in action. If he had gone, uh-uh, I'm not getting on, you'd be like, well, you don't really believe then, do you? That's why we call this series Footsteps of Faith. It's this idea of walking. You live this faith out. So let's think about our lives. What is the expression of faith for us? Walking in the footsteps of Noah's faith means getting on board, not on board the ark, but getting on board with the rescue of Jesus. In Noah's day, the judgment of God fell on the earth as the skies turned dark with heavy clouds of destructive rain and the water rose up from the earth and completely enveloped everything in water. But Noah put his faith in this grace-given wooden box to carry him high, floating on the water, and his family through that judgment, out to the other side, into a new life. And on that day outside of Jerusalem, where Jesus was crucified, the sky turned dark, not with rain clouds, but with the judgment of God. And on that cross, Jesus was enveloped by God's anger at our treason against him, the darkness of our hearts, the judgment fell on Jesus. He went through the flood. And if we put our faith in this grace-given wooden cross, in Jesus who, who rose out of the flood to the other side, then like Noah and his family, we can be saved. So what will happen to us then? We've talked about Jesus returning in judgment. You know when it's raging with rain outside, like pelting it down, and it's cold and you've been running through the rain and, and then you get inside and you close the door and whew, silence, safe. When the storm of judgment rages outside when Jesus returns, if we're on board with Jesus, that comforting sound that Noah heard when the Lord 
close the door. Safe. Saved. We'll hear that sound. The storm then will subside. The world will be made new. And we'll come out the other side. If you've been baptized, that's what's going on. You're acting that out. With Jesus, through the water, out the other side. Safe. So I want to say something that's really obvious, but life-changing. When the flood came, people were either on board the boat and got saved, or they were not on the boat and they died in God's right judgment on them. It's obvious, but that, that's it. You're on and you're saved, or you're not, and you're not saved. And with Jesus, we are either on board and get saved, or not on board with him, and we will suffer what we deserve for what we've done to God. So by faith, have you got on board? Have you actively entrusted yourself to Jesus to carry you safe through the judgment to come? Before it's too late, get on board and be safe with him. I want to finish by thinking practically about our lives. What would it look like for each of us this week to keep on walking in Noah's footsteps of faith? Think with me. Think through these three things about faith. Faith hears. Faith hears means don't go into this week negotiating with God a peace deal. He's initiated by warning you and telling you exactly how to be rescued. Jesus is the hero of this week. He's the one who speaks, rescues. Listen to him. Faith fears. Take God seriously this week. Take him at his word in holy fear. There may be ways in which you need to trust God when you can't see how things are going to pan out. I wonder if that resonates with you. You just can't see how things are going to go. But think about it like this. If we believe that if we believe God about the unseen judgment to come and the rescue in Jesus, then we can believe him about all the other smaller things in life, can't we? That we can't see. If we can believe him about rescuing us through judgment and we can't see that coming, we can believe him about every other thing in our lives that we can't see that he says he's going to look after us with. If he's trustworthy on something as big as judgment and rescue, he's trustworthy on all the unseen things in your life. Faith hears, faith fears, faith gets on board. How do you, this week, actively get on board with the rescue of Jesus in daily life? Maybe it's staying faithful to Jesus when people around you think you are ridiculous for believing in a God you can't see and in a judgment you can't see and in Jesus and his cross. And by faith, you're going you're gonna to stick with him. Maybe stay, Maybe it's Staying on board with Jesus when temptation pulsates so strongly to step off and live for yourself now. By faith, you stay on board with him. Or maybe it's when the storm clouds of guilt gather, telling you Jesus can do nothing to save you. By faith, smash that guilt by getting on board with Jesus and let Jesus close the door, keep you safe. Because he will. 
Let's pray. Give thanks to God for what he's done for us. Let's pray. Then the Lord shut him in. Lord God, we want to thank you for all that you have done. We confess that we deserve judgment, the judgment that is coming when Jesus comes back. We are sorry for the ways that our hearts have done only what we wanted for ourselves, the ways in which we have shut you out, even though you made us. But you, you are so kind. You are so gracious that you made the first move. You spoke first. You have come to us. Jesus has come to this earth. You speak, you move, you save, you rescue, you warn. You have done so much for us and we want to thank you for that grace. And I pray for each one of us, no matter who we are, that we would respond by faith. We believe you. We take you seriously this week. That we would keep running that race following you knowing that we will come out the other side because Jesus did. In his name, amen.